Yeah, Tom Petty's on the list for sure. Pay to see him over and over and over again. I was really sad when he passed away. Oh, very much. He wasn't in good health when he came to uh, Marcus Amphitheater the last time. His, his uh, was, a, amphitheater, was it a drug, like painkiller, opioid addiction? Yeah, there's a, a lot of things going on to yeah. Tom Petty. But uh, I did see his last show in Milwaukee a few years was back. Was it a good show? Uh, he's fantastic. Yeah. It's just, you know, every song, right? And your hand goes up when Me he too. strikes American Girl, the first chord of the first song. So you just leave it there it. for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> right? And even if you go to the bathroom, you leave the hand up in the air because it's Tom Petty playing. So, right. yes, that would be a, a guy I have That's paid a good call. Over and over to yeah. go see. I wonder who Major Garrett would see. Major Garrett is the best in the business. He is the chief Washington correspondent, author of The Big Truth, creator and the host of the Takeout podcast. Have you binged Agent of Betrayal? One of his latest works. It's incredible. Major Garrett joins us from Washington. Hey, Major. Hey, good afternoon. How is everybody? Doing well. All right. The band or artist you would pay to see over and over again. We're asking all of our guests that today. All right. Can you give me a little room on this? Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's so, not Madonna. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you two answers. One, people I've never seen, but I know I would pay over and over to see, and that would be any of the jazz artists of the 50s and 60s. Mm. I would pay to see Charlie Parker over and over again. I would pay to see Miles Davis over and over again. I would pay to see... Uh, Dave Brubeck over and over again. I would pay to see Char- Char- John Coltrane and mu- and and singers of that era: Etta James, Dinah Washington, Ella, um, Ella Fitzgerald for sure. Me too. Me too. Um, Aretha, um, uh, Peggy Lee. Any He's going of those really deep into or the... blues and blues singers of that era. I would see any of those. I would pay to see them over and over again. Part of the reason is I did see. Very late in his life at the University of Missouri, my alma mater, one of the last traveling concerts through the state of Missouri of Count Basie. And the great thing about watching jazz live is you see the improvisational nature of jazz. You see music being created before your very eyes. Even they know before they don't know before they go on stage, they're going to do that kind of music right then and there, because that's what's improvisational about jazz. So all that in the genre of jazz, I would go see over and over again. Rock. Who have I seen that I would pay to see over and over? The Who. I saw them in college. Oh, Phenomenal yeah, show. That was the first of, I think, their 18th farewell tour. <laughs> I think it was the first in 1982. Right. Um, I've been told by so many friends that Springsteen puts on the greatest rock show ever. That's three and a half, four hours. He just goes into it. I haven't seen it, but I'm told that if I did see it once, I would see it over and over again. But in the rock and roll genre, Obviously, Led Zeppelin. I'm a long-standing Led Zeppelin fanatic, or the band. I know those are very different polar opposites, almost, of rock and roll. One big blasting sound, Led Zeppelin. One very folk-rooted Americana, the band. But those people, I would see over and over again. We we have drained your bank account in two and a half minutes, Major. We've done a good job. Sorry. Way, way to deliver <laughs> on the name, though. That's right. That's a lot of great <laughs> options there, man. I love that. Hey, uh, shifting gears here, a debate season rolls on. The stage will have one fewer member than it has in weeks oh. past, with Tim Scott dropping out. So we know the four who will be on stage here. My question is, what is to be gained with debate number four in Alabama? Not much, I'm afraid. Um, Look, we'll be covering it at CBS News on our streaming platform. I will house an hour-long America Decides tomorrow. Then we'll have a post-debate show from 10 to 10.30. So I'm deeply invested and involved in the coverage of this. But we have to be honest with ourselves. There is limited value without Trump on the stage. Yes, it's important if there is a dynamic between Ron DeSantis 
and Nikki Haley that is decisive, which in which, let's say, Nikki Haley creates more distance between herself and Ron DeSantis and herself and Chris Christie. And let's say before the New Hampshire primary, as some Republicans, especially those who write large contribution checks, are telling Chris Christie, get out. So there can be a definitive clash between Haley and DeSantis, and maybe Haley can be the consensus Trump alternative and one that arises early rather than late. For all those who think if there is a consolidation of the anti-Trump vote and you start that consolidation early, perhaps there can be an alternative to Donald Trump. That is a wispy fantasy or dream among some Republicans right now. Trump is the front runner and by a considerable amount, statistically unparalleled in Republican presidential history. So he is still the odds on favorite to win the nomination. So if the debate tomorrow does anything to push that forward to further shrink the field and create a defined alternative to Trump sooner than rather than later, it will have been of some historic value. If not, not much at all. Major, can you think of another candidate that has skipped debates like this that hasn't appeared? So just... the, the short answer is no, but televised nomination debates are a relatively new phenomenon, um, meaning in our most recent history, last 20 or 25 years or so, um, and uh, one thing I do know about debates in any race, mayor, run for Congress, senator, governor, if you don't have to go, meaning politically, you're not on the spot, you don't go. Debates are a hassle. Debates are, for those who don't have to do them, time wasted. You can pr- put yourself in a position where you can allow your opponent to look closer or better than he or she currently does. No percentage in that. Again, it's a huge time consumer. It also puts you in a position where you might say something that could be interpreted or postured later as a gaffe. Why do it? If you can skip them, you will always skip them. Politicians only attend debates when they have to, when the risks are much lower than the potential rewards. There is never a debate that doesn't carry some risk. What you are trying to do is catapult over those risks with rewards. And so only politicians who have to debate do debate. And right now, Trump doesn't have to. And so I'd be curious to get inside the mind of, of Nikki Haley, right? I mean, she's done very well throughout the debates, mm-hmm. reading up on what others and experts and those in the know have had to say about mm-hmm. her performance. It's been impressive. Do you think somewhere in her heart, Major, she knows that she can't compete with Trump for the nomination, but is trying to angle to be his running mate and a potential vice president? Uh, possibly. Uh, that is always something that you would look at. I was at a panel at the Baker Institute in Houston last Friday. Mark McKinnon, who was a close advisor to George W. Bush and has been advisors to Democrats and Republicans, said it would be a natural no-brainer for Trump to put Nikki Haley on the ticket. I said, what about calling her bird brain? He said, well, that would be something that Trump would have to dance around, but he's pretty good at that. That is kind of an impediment, calling your running mate someone who would be a heartbeat away from the presidency bird brain over and over again. Noted. But if anyone could get around that, it's probably Trump. Whether Haley would accept it or not, I don't know. I don't know what in her mind. What I do know is this, and this is the important thing about Nikki Haley. Not an endorsement. I'm not saying she's going to do anything more than she's done already. But what she has done already is the first threshold for anyone in a crowded presidential primary. What is that threshold? To be in position in case the winds change 
so you can take advantage of that potential wind change. She is best positioned to harness whatever momentum may come in the anti-Trump Republican Party. Ron DeSantis cannot say that. Chris Christie can't say that. Tim Scott, he's already out. He can't say that. No one else can say that. She is best positioned. And that's the first thing you must do. Position yourself and be ready. She is. Whether that comes or not, I don't know. But she's best positioned. We are always smarter after talking with Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent. Check out his latest work, The Agent of Betrayal. Uh, I have not binged it. I've just kind of gone episode by episode here, but it's uh, been very enjoyable. Major Garrett, incredibly talented. Appreciate your time today, Major. We'll check it again next week. Look forward to it. See you.